How's everybody doing? Good, good. My name's Brandon. I'm one of the pastors on staff here, and I am honored to be in front of you today to share a message that God has been laying on my heart for the past couple weeks. I'm absolutely excited about that. We've been in a series called Welcome Home, and it's been lasting since we moved into this building six weeks ago. And the tagline was, Making a Difference for You and Our Community. So if you've missed any of the messages, and they've been phenomenal. Pastor Christian has done an amazing job with this series. You need to go back and download the app if you haven't done so already. Download that app, the the, uh, the Journey app. And then also, if you if you don't have the app, you can go online and view the videos or view the messages there. But let me encourage you to go back and listen to those because they've been phenomenal. So today we're going to wrap up the series. This is week number six, and I'm going to be talking about something that is extremely near and dear to my heart. You know, we are moving into a new season of college basketball. Any college basketball fans? Yeah, there we go. I love this time of year as a former coach and as a former basketball player. This time of year is really exciting for me. One of my favorite coaches of all time was a man by the name of John Wooden. Perhaps you've heard about him. He coached the UCLA Bruins. And from 1971 to 1974, they didn't lose a game. In fact, they won 80, uh, 88 consecutive games in a row. And they won nine consecutive national championships from 1964 to 1973. During that era of college basketball, UCLA was deemed unbeatable. They didn't think anybody could beat them until 1974, the NC State uh, a team beat them in the national championship. But just think about that. Nine national championships in a row. It hasn't been replicated. Now, far surpassing the UCLA streak was another team, coincidentally nicknamed the Bruins. It's a high school team. And in fact, in November, they will be running for their, listen, 27th consecutive year of winning the cross-country title for the state of Arizona. Can you believe that? 26 consecutive years. They won their first one in 1990 and they haven't lost since. When asked what was the key to their success, Coach Rick Baker said this, and I want you to hear his words. He says this, running isn't just an exercise in Hopi culture. We've been doing it for thousands of years. He then stated this, we have kids that really want to run. They all run to, want to be a part of it. They are willing to do whatever we ask. Listen to this final statement in this interview. He says, they don't want to be the team that breaks the streak. In Arizona, the Hopi Bruins cross-country team appears to be a team that is unstoppable. They, they seem to be a force to be reckoned with. Friends, today there is a force that has endured longer than any cross-country team, longer than any basketball team, or even larger than that, any military movement that you can think of. It is an unstoppable force that has endured for thousands of years and will endure until the end of time. What is that unstoppable force? It is the church. It is you and I. What comes to your mind... When you hear the word church, what, what do you think about when you hear the word church? If we can just all be honest with ourselves this morning, we will all have our own opinions or our own ideas of what the church 
should be like. Maybe you didn't grow up in church. You have a perspective or an opinion about church. Uh, maybe your opinion was shaped by past experiences as a child. Uh, maybe your opinion about church was shaped by pop culture. You know, I have a daughter named Demi, and she loves Netflix. Anybody a fan of Netflix? She binge watches Netflix. And one of her favorite shows right now that she has watched now, all the way through, twice, is a show called Seventh Heaven. Any fans of Seventh Heaven in there? Come on, there's got to be a few of you. Well, she, I think, wishes she lived with the Camden family rather than the Reed family. Maybe your uh, perspective about church was shaped by a show like this. Or maybe it was The Simpsons. Do you remember Ned Flanders, the neighbor? And, and the first church of Springfield with Pastor Lovejoy. Maybe your, your, your vision of what church should be like was shaped by, by The Simpsons. Maybe it was past relationships. Maybe it was a family member or a neighbor that helped shape the culture of your perspective. Maybe it was news. Maybe your perspective of church was shaped by uh, what, how the how news reports. And and you know what I found? News rarely reports anything positive about the church. Maybe your perspective about church came from a church sign. Have you seen the church signs that have? Uh, kind of popped up here and there from our old traditional uh, churches that have existed. I, I wanted to show you a few of them. Maybe maybe your opinion about church was shaped by these. Here's one for you. Maybe it's a little too harsh. It reads this, whoever stole our AC units, keep one. It's, it is, uh, it's, it's hot where you're going. Maybe, maybe it's this one. Maybe this one was just trying too hard to be a little bit too relevant. Here it is. We're all about that grace, about that grace, no devil. Right, kind of piggybacking off of that song. Um, maybe this one is uh, a little too honest. Let's let's take a look at this one. Our church is like fudge, sweet with a few nuts. That's not us. We don't have any nuts here. No nuts here. Uh, maybe this church should have had a little better quality control. Let's read this one. God does not make mistakes. Yeah, we need to do a better job with uh, quality control. Now, I know this one doesn't apply to our church, and we can do this because Pastor Christian's not here, but let's take a look at this one. Now's a good time to visit. Our pastor is on vacation. Have church, church signs shaped your perspective about church? You know, this morning, so that we're all on the same page, I wanted to take a moment to dis discuss what the church is and what the church is not. I think until we address the misperceptions of church, we can't really wrap our mind around what the church actually is. And we may need today to destruct, deconstruct some ideas, some uh, perspectives about church before we reconstruct what the original intent of church is. The church is not a building. You know, when I grew up, we did a little rhyme in, in, in Sunday school. Perhaps you did it as well. And I'm going to show it to you so those of you that never did it, you can, you can learn it. Um, it. It went something like this. You put your hands together, you interlock your fingers, and you say, here's the church. You guys are doing it with me. I see you. Here's the steeple. Open the door and see all the people. Do you remember that rhyme? You know, that's a cute little rhyme, but it's really, really bad theology. The church is not a building. First, the first century church had no buildings. It was a, a group of people who would gather in homes. You know, if you're new to JCI, uh, 
we, we were at Summit Lakes Middle School for five years. We didn't have a church building. And I love how Pastor Christian has explained it on multiple occasions. He said this journey church was a church before we had a building. The church is not a building. The church is not a concert. Uh, the church is not a place where God is the audience and the worshipers are all performers seeking his approval about our performance. The church is not a concert. The church is not a, a school. It's not a place where the attenders come to receive a religious or, or moral education. Sure, we're going to learn some things at church, but that's not the intent of it. It's not the intent to be a school, even though we met in a school for five years. You know, the, the church is not a department store. It's not a place where products are served. You know, we, this church over here has an incredible children's ministry. You need to go to that church. Or this church over here has an incredible student ministry. You need to go be a part of that. It, it's not a department store. The problem with department stores is this, is that if you don't like a product that's served at a, a certain store, what do you do? You go to another store. The church is not a department store. The church is in a hospital. It's not a place that offers healing for those who are spiritually sick. You see, unlike a hospital, the church should be actively seeking those who are sick spiritually and going to them. So what is the church? The, the church, in, in its truest essence, if you look at it in Scripture, it's used over, the word church is used over a hundred times, twice by Jesus himself. And when Jesus used the word church, he used this common Greek word called ekklesia. And this word ekklesia basically means called out once called out once you see the church is a gathering of believers who have been called out and called together for a common purpose or for a common mission we what have we been called out of we've been called out of a world system that is completely hostile to anything religious that is completely hostile to anything that has to do with God we've been called out of that world system and we've been called together this isn't an I thing this isn't a me thing this is a we thing we're in this together so God intended the church to be a family of faith to, to be a community of believers on a specific mission and if I could sum up Pastor Christian's last five weeks in his tremendous series, it would be this statement here. The purpose of the church is to accomplish the great commandment, the great compassion, the great commission of Jesus Christ. So for the next few minutes, I want to take a look at a powerful passage in Scripture. It's found in Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 19. And today, we're going to look at a specific text where Jesus actually talks about his church. And he takes a break from his ministry, the, the, the grind of ministry, and he spends a teachable moment with his disciples. So let's go ahead and turn there now. Matthew 16, verses 13 through 19. It says this. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, okay, we're on the northern side of Israel now, so that you get it in your mind, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? What, what, are, what are people saying about me? Verse 14, he says this, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for 
This was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by the, my Father in heaven. Verse 18, And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Haiti will not overcome it. And I will give you the keys to, of, king, of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed on heaven. You know, as we've studied this passage this week, and as I believe there are, there are there are two very important things that we must do if we are going to be the church that God intended us to be, and the first one we have to take our own ownership of. It's personal. If we're going to be the church that God intended us to be, the first thing we need to do is we need to embrace our name. We need to embrace my name. Verse seventeen. Again, it says, Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but, my, but by my Father in heaven. Verse 18, And I tell you that you are Peter. You see, Jesus reminded Peter of his new name. When, when Jesus found Peter, his name, was not si uh, his name was not Peter. It was Simon. You see, one morning, Simon and a, a couple of his buddies were out, were out fishing on the Sea of Galilee. You see, Simon was a fisherman. His father was a fisherman. Perhaps his grandfather was a fisherman. Simon was destined to be a fisherman. That's who Simon was. And then a man named Jesus saw him. And he invited Simon and his buddies to hang out with him, to follow him. And Jesus immediately changed Simon's name to Peter, which means little rock. Throughout Scripture, we see multiple examples of individuals who have an incredible encounter with God. And what does God do? He changes their name. Do you remember a man by the name of Abram? He had an encounter with God and his name was changed to Abraham. His wife, Sarai, had an amazing encounter with God. And her name was changed to Sarah. There was a man in the Bible by the name of Jacob. He had an incredible encounter with God. And if you remember the story, he had a little wrestling match with him, a little WWF wrestling match with God. And God changed his name to Israel. And then, of course, the most prolific man in all of Scripture that we know about, he had his name changed. There was a man by the name of Saul. Saul hated Christians. He, he persecuted Christians until he had an encounter with Jesus. And, and what did he do? His name was changed to Paul. And Paul became one of the greatest missionaries in all of in all of time. There's a deep spiritual truth that I want to share with you about this, and it's this right here. When we have an encounter with God, He changes our name spiritually. And when God changes our name, what does He do? He gives us a new identity. And our new identity today, friends, is this. You are a child of God. Galatians chapter 3, verse 25 and 26 says this. Now that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. Verse 26, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. One of my favorite scripture in all of the Bible is this. 1 John 3, 1. It says this. See what kind of love the Father has bestowed or has lavished or has given to us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. Friends, our new identity is children or child of God. You know, our family had an opportunity to adopt a, a boy from Haiti. 
His name's Peter, ironically. And if you know anything about Haiti, it's a third world country, just an hour flight outside of the United States. It, it's, it's, it's a rough place. It, it's a tough place to grow up. And there are thousands of children in Haiti that desperately need moms and dads. And so God put a burden on my wife and I's heart to adopt a boy from Haiti. And on August 8th, 2011, our family stood in, in a courtroom in front of a judge. And I will never forget the moment when the judge looked at my wife and I and said this. He said, this is now your son. This boy is now your son. And then he looked at Peter and he said, your name is now Peter Reed. You see, on that day, Peter received a new name. That day, Peter received a new identity. And if you've ever adopted or fostered, I know we have many. It's not easy. It's not easy. We now then had to go through a moment of, of teaching him about American culture, teaching him about things we do in America that you necessarily shouldn't have done in Haiti. Uh, I remember one of those moments, and, and I almost hesitated to tell you about it, but I, I'm going to do it anyways. There was a moment when uh, when Peter was playing outside our house, and uh, and for just a brief moment, as we were talking with a neighbor, um, we lost sight of, of Peter. We're like, where's Peter? Where'd he go? And as we turned around, we looked at I looked at back, and there was Peter in the middle of the driveway, and he was urinating all over the driveway. Peter. Listen, buddy, you don't do that kind of thing in America, specifically if you're going to take on the name of Reed. You know what? As a Reed, Peter, we use the toilet. As a Reed, we use spoons and forks to eat our food. As a Reed, we just don't randomly throw our trash everywhere. We put it in a trash can. There were certain expectations that we had of Peter because of his new identity, because of his new family, because he was identified as a reed. Friends, let me ask you just a quick question. When you see a child acting out in public or acting out obnoxiously down aisle six in Walmart, what are your first thoughts? Where are this kid's parents? Who are the parents of this kid? You see, like it or not, as a parent, our children's behavior reflect upon us. Students in this room, your behavior re reflects upon your parents. Spiritually speaking, our behavior, our actions reflect upon God, our Heavenly Father. Because of our new identity as child of God, we should act more like Jesus. We should look more like Jesus. And when we look more like Jesus, friends, the church looks more like the church that God intended it to be. And one of the reasons I'm afraid the church doesn't look like the church that God intended it to, to, to be is because Christians don't look like Jesus. You know, one of the tactics the enemy uses, that is Satan, is to remind us of our past identity. Are, are, you, being this, are you being reminded this morning of your past identity? Perhaps you're hearing those voices that are saying, you know what, you're worthless. God can't use you. You know what, you're broken. God can't fix you. You know what? You're dirty. You know what? God can't forgive you. Friends, those are lies that the enemy uses to take our focus off of Jesus Christ. And Satan will do anything he can to take you away from your purpose and to remind you of your past identity.
Friends, if we're going to be the church that God intended us to be, we need to embrace our name as children of God. And I think there's a second spiritual, deep spiritual truth that we can learn from this passage today, and that is this, is that if we are going to be the church God intended us to be, we need to accept the mission. We need to accept the mission. Jesus reminded Peter of his name, and then he reminded Peter of his mission. Did you capture it in verse 18? He says this, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock... On this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Verse 19, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. What was Peter's mission? Peter's mission was to help build the church with Jesus Christ as the foundation. Jesus Christ was the rock. We recently moved into a, a new house. And, and one of the things that bothered me the most as we moved into this house was a little landscaping wall just in the front, or just in our front yard. Every, every time I drove into the driveway, I would see this landscaping wall around this mulch bed and it would drive me crazy because it was not put together appropriately. It was not built well. It was weak. It just looked poorly organized. In fact, every time I pulled into my driveway, I often thought whoever built this wall didn't have any Legos as a child. In fact, he or she, whoever built it, broke every basic rule for building a strong wall, especially those things that you learn with Legos. You never stack the blocks directly on top of each other if you're going to build a strong wall, right? You never stack them directly on top of each other. You always overlap them a little bit. You stagger them a little bit. That makes a stronger wall. And and first and foremost, you got to make sure that all the blocks are level. You got to make sure they're perfectly level. They can't be, uh, you know, can't be cockeyed or anything like that. So on Labor Day this last year, my son and I tore down the wall and we rebuilt it. And our first priority was to start with one block, to start with one of the bricks, and we made sure that initial block was on solid, firm ground and it was perfectly level, left and right forward and backwards because we knew this if we messed up on the first block guess what would have happened the whole wall would have been affected you see jesus christ is to be the foundation of the church and i'm proud to say that jesus christ is the foundation of journey church international we teach about jesus we sing about jesus we talk about jesus jesus christ is the foundation of journey church international you know, the church is stronger, friends, when my life is built on Jesus Christ. The church is stronger when your life is built on Jesus Christ. Looking back on your past week, what did you do to make your life spiritually stronger? I asked myself that this week. Brandon, what did you do this past week to make your life spiritually stronger were you in the word did you spend time in prayer did you hang out with christian friends that helped build your faith in other words i had to say this to myself man i really want to get in shape physically i, I mean i really that's my goal i want to get back in shape physically but you know what i was reminded this week just thinking about it doesn't help me get any stronger right i have to actually do something about it 
Or, in other words, my intention never, never determines my destination. I can have the best intentions of the world, but it will not determine my destination. So, friends, what did you do this last week to make your life spiritually stronger? You know, the church is stronger when my my family is built on Jesus Christ. I, I love Journey Church International and the fact that we are so passionate about family ministry. We, we want to partner with you as parents to be the primary faith influencer in the life of your children. We, we really believe that about the family. And so we want to resource you as parents of, of, of preschoolers, of elementary, and of, of, of the student, uh, student age. So let me ask you this, families. Looking back on this past week, what did you do to make your family spiritually stronger? And let me just say this. The church is stronger when my marriage is built on Jesus Christ. And so I had a tough question to ask myself this week. Looking back on this past week, Brandon, what did you do to make your marriage spiritually stronger? And i got to say this. As one of you pastors of this church, I could have done a much better job in this area this week. Guys, our, our, our church is stronger when our, when our lives are built on Jesus Christ, when our families are built on Jesus Christ, and, 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 and when our marriages are built on Jesus Christ. So, so next, next year, this is so important to us that we are devoting several series to help get our lives established on a strong foundation. In January, we're going to talk about emotional health. In February, we're going to talk about strong marriages. And in April, you don't want to miss it, we're going to talk about building stronger families. And finally, as I near the end zone, Jesus used vivid imagery to describe the purpose and the power of the church in this passage. He uses words like the, the gates of hell and, and, and keys and binding and, and loosing. And admittedly, it, 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 can, it can all be very confusing. But I believe Jesus today wanted to give Peter and his disciples and now us a glimpse into both a physical reality and a spiritual reality. And I believe he's going to share it with us today. What is that physical reality? The physical reality is this. We will all experience death. Hebrews 9.27 says this, It is appointed man once to die. What's the spiritual reality? The spiritual reality is this, is that death is not the end for those who belong to Jesus Christ and His church and His family who claim to be a child of God. You see, when Jesus looked at people, especially those who were far from God, He saw the spiritual reality. He saw people who were slaves to sin. Do you feel like you're stuck in a certain behavior and deep down you know you know it's not right? He saw people who were blind to anything spiritually. Maybe you're asking yourself today, I don't really understand all this Bible stuff. Frankly, everything you're saying to me today, Brandon, is very foreign. Jesus saw uh, people who were oppressed by the enemy and, and, and without any hope. And perhaps you're saying, man, you don't understand. I have this big burden on my shoulders and I can't lift it off. Jesus saw a people who were held back by the power of death. And perhaps today you fear. You fear death like nothing else. And you fear what happens next. You see, Jesus saw a spiritual reality 
He saw those people that were slaves, that were bound, that were oppressed, that were held back by the power of death. And Jesus instructed his disciples as well as us today that we need to see the spiritual reality that exists in those around us as well. As a church, the unstoppable force, we must see people that are being held back by, by, who are captive by sin, by death, and by judgment. As a church, the unstoppable force, we possess the keys. What are the keys? It's the gospel of Jesus Christ to set the captives free. I want to challenge you today. I want to challenge you to begin to look at individuals in your neighborhood a little bit differently. I want to challenge you to look at people when you're out and about in Lee Summit in the Kansas City area with the eyes that Jesus looked at people with. Put on those Jesus goggles that Christian talked about a couple weeks ago. And my prayer is that you begin to see people that are as helpless captives held back by the, the power of death and in desperate need of a Savior. Invite them to church. Uh, invite them Invite them to your home to begin to have just a, a relationship with them. And then when you're given the opportunity, share the gospel with them. You see, if we're going to be the church that God intended us to be, to be a part of the greatest unstoppable force to ever exist, 2,000 years strong, and we'll be going to the end of time, friends, we need to embrace our name as children of God. We need to accept the mission to help set the captives free. Because I believe this, because of our efforts together as the church, God will still accomplish His mission through Journey Church International, a part of the greatest unstoppable force to ever exist. And like the Hopi Indians, the Hopi High School Bruins, let's not be the team, friends, that breaks the streak in the Lee Summit community and beyond. Can I pray with you?